Is Juju Smith-Schuster bound to play on the West Coast in 2021? Could the tight end, tight end start be the way to go this season? And what are you supposed to do with Michael Thomas and drafts now? Plus, the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship fourth place team owner, Jason Hockenberry, joins us to talk about his crazy ride, his favorite picks in 2021, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Pharaoh Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesser. Make out of the lesser. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiet Hollers, remember to check out all their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all of the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs tuning in tonight. Welcome in to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, I know it's not a popular opinion, but... I think I've watched that weekend uh, Super Bowl halftime show about four times now. I loved it. What about you? You're trying to find something from the weekend that you can be happy about. Is that what it is? You're trying <laughs> to climb back into it. You know, Valky, we, we really need, we owe the listeners uh, an apology because some people did have it right. No one had it better than your pal that plays uh, in the FFPC and the KFFFC our good friend Bobby Butterfield. I, you know, and I talk to people across a lot of um, different places in football, different jobs, different careers, and how they consume football. Nobody had it right except Bobby Butterfield. He gave me the score, 28-13 to 13, Tampa. So even he had um, – even, even he had Kansas City scoring a touchdown. You know, uh, um, Alex was right about the rushing yards. That was the – as far as the props go, uh, that was the first prop uh, on an over that I had ever won seven minutes into the game when Mahomes uh, busted through the 19 yards. And then uh, I got my punt prop right. But, you know, after the beating that uh, Kansas City backers took in that game, you don't really talk much about going to cash in your ticket on which team had the most punts. You just don't really talk much about that. Just, I had you know. um, the, the the two big props I hit were um, will there be a sack before a touchdown? I won that one. And um, first score of the game to be a Kansas City field goal. And I feel like given how the rest of the game turned out, I was pretty fortunate to win that one. So it was a 
It was a solid Super Bowl, financially speaking. As far as um, watching it, it wasn't great. Um, But we pressed on. We moved forward. And as Bill Belichick said, we are on to 2021 or something like that. (laughs) Hey, best ball drafts are open. Yes, exactly. Uh, Both at the FFPC and the KFFSC. Check them out, myffpc.com and kffsc.com. And by the way, if you want to beat Farrell Elliott in an FFPC Classic, join the 250 Classic Slow Number 26816. I'm going to read that again. 26816. You can join that one right now, compete against Farrell Elliott in the FFPC all season long. If you're looking to, as, as, uh, as a wise man from Kentucky once told me, expand your territory, go pick up an <laughs> FFPC Dynasty Orphan, myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. They are all on uh, right there right now. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk to you the latest uh, about the latest in Saints quarterbacking, whether the Chargers offense could be in for some regression. And then Jason Hockenberry will drop by in about 10 minutes or so to talk about how he's handling his 21, uh, excuse me, his 2021 team so far and how he got his only football guys team to fourth place overall this past year for a $10,000 payday. Certainly kudos to him. Shout out to the chat room right now. You guys can post any questions you might have for us in there. Uh, on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. And obviously, check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to go if you want to connect with us there. And, of course, you can always give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVER. The email box inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, Get them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Uh, which, by the way, Sarah, I don't know if I told you this, Bryce is definitely angling to, to make an appearance on this program. And I think there's plenty of FFPC people that would, that would like to hear from him. Um, we might have to have him on as a guest at some point in the next few months. Bryce is an engaging guy. You know, when we had tickets to see uh, uh, the Texans that year at Green Bay and I was making the trip and uh, we couldn't do it for health reasons in the family. And, and you know, Bryce was Bryce was in the group and I was looking forward to spending some time with him. And so I'd love to spend some time with him on the show. Well, we'll make it happen at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do want to get into some fantasy football analysis before we welcome in Jason Hockenberry on the show tonight. Thanks to football guys, Josh Sharks, Rudder World, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Tori McKelleny, who uh, covers the Falcons for the Athletics, says uh, the Falcons are not expected to re-sign Todd Gurley. Um, it didn't seem the way that, that he was being used by this team at the end of the season that he would come back uh, for 2021, given that he was basically couldn't beat out Brian Hill. He couldn't beat out Ito Smith uh, in, in that backfield. And uh, certainly Atlanta, Farrell, could be a good spot for a rookie running back, especially if they choose to utilize a day two pick on a running back to go with uh, Smith and, um, and Hill. I don't know how much um, juice we can expect Todd Gurley to have in fantasy drafts this year. In fact, as I look at the ADP chart from um, FantasyMojo.com, run by our good friend Darren Armani, and I look at where Todd Gurley is going in best ball drafts, he's running back 54 in the 15th round. Now, that is as late as Gurley has ever gone for his entire career, Farrell. Is there any value in drafting him there, or has the ship sailed on Todd Gurley being a fantasy asset in the FFPC and KFFSC? 
Oh, I think that is a terrific bargain for Todd Gurley. Mm. As we as we move forward, he will going to be he's going to move up. He's going to find a home because I, my memory is not so short, Bulky. This guy had nine touchdowns in the first nine games this year. He carried the ball 160 times before the bye week. You talk about the Falcons weren't using him down the stretch. They didn't use any of their players correctly down the stretch, and all those guys are looking for jobs right now. Uh, it, it's uh, my uh, uh, the hirings there uh, in the front office. Some of my some of my favorite guys are landing there, and they're replacing very very good football men. But you know the offensive coordinator. Uh, I remember the game um, when uh, Gurley came out of the game. Everybody said, "Well, he, he's he's." He's hurt the knee, uh, arthritis in the knee. It's finally shown, and you, you know it's finally come. It's having problems, and then Gurley's on the sidelines, moving around. He's riding the bike. They never put him back in the game. He's uh, he's well rested. Thirty six carries after the bye week, and uh, you know I, this player's been in the league six years. He can catch passes. Um, you know, I think that Forty uh, Niners where. Everyone except Mostert in that backfield is a free agent. That could be a nice landing place for him. And you know what? Todd Gurley can catch passes out of that backfield, and uh, no one particularly can in Tampa. And uh, he would probably take a discount to go down there and play. So I can think of a lot of places Todd Gurley will play. They'll be interesting places. And, uh, no, I, I think it's a mistake to sell this player short. You should definitely draft him when you get in double-digit rounds. Todd Gurley going right after Trey Sermon and Latavius Murray. He is going right before Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, and Damian Williams, who might be a nice little buy, too. I think we'll talk about him mm-hmm. coming up later on in the program, too. So, yeah, Gurley, I mean, I don't, you're, you're not going to get many better home run opportunities than Todd Gurley in the 15th round for sure. Uh, Farrell, let's talk about your team, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. John Clayton uh, from ESPN <laughs> says they are very interested in signing Juju Smith-Schuster. Over his first four years in the NFL, he has uh, um, uh, caught more than 3,700 receiving yards, and he turns 25 this November, so he's still very young. Nelson Aguilar, who uh, finished second uh, with Las Vegas in targets with 82 and receiving yards with just under 900, uh, we don't know if he'll be back in Las Vegas. Hunter Renfro led the Raiders in slot rate, which was just over a shade uh, over 63% last year. So you would think that maybe this would be overkill to get Smith-Schuster. But having Smith-Schuster to play on the same team as uh, their first-round pick last year and Henry Ruggs, I know Brian Edwards they still like. Renfro obviously was a favorite target this year. What, what's, what do you make of this Smith-Schuster to the Raiders? Is, this, is there smoke with this? I mean, is there fire here? Or is this just John Clayton spouting off? I suppose it is. I suppose there's a lot of uh, fire here. This is a player, this player with West Coast ties that must flee Pittsburgh. You say 3,700 yards, just none of them this year. Balky, his longest pass from scrimmage, 31 yards this year. Can you believe that? 31 wow. yards. Uh, it, it was just, you know, uh, this offensive plan that they utilized with with and and you can't find a wide receiver room more crowded than Pittsburgh Steelers. This offensive plan that they utilized took a fine ball player. He's coming off a bad year in 2019, but they took a fine ball player and they turned him into Adam Humphreys. You know, this is a this is a player that 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 um, needs a new place and it might as well 
it might as well be the Raiders. I think it would be a very, uh, a very good fit. And there's a lot of players that will, there's a lot of players that will flock to, uh, to play in Las Vegas for, for many, many reasons: weather, taxes, opportunity. And they think they'll eventually win with Gruden. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I typically don't like to bring up stuff like, "Well, this could happen. This this might happen." But anytime it's the Raiders, I always like to get the uh, the inside dope from you um, for sure on on this Miss Schuster thing. So so that's very interesting. We'll be following that as the off season moves on. Um, one of the things we've been following essentially since Drew Brees said that he believed 2020 would be his last season has been who is going to take over the quarterback mantle in New Orleans. Now, according to Ian Rappaport's uh, report today from the NFL Network, uh, Jameis Winston apparently is in the driver's seat to be the starting quarterback for the Saints next year. Now, Breeze has been in the news lately because he, A, has not officially retired, and B, restructured his contract to make it uh, things a little bit more palatable, palatable for the Saints in their, uh, in their salary cap situation going forward. Um, the starting quarterback job in New Orleans, you would think, would come down to either Winston or Taysom Hill. When Breeze went down, it was actually Hill um, that, that got the job and, and remained the starting quarterback the remainder of the season until Breeze came back. Uh, but apparently Winston was, was impressing the Saints coaching staff in practice. Hill did make four starts, threw the ball pretty well, targeted Michael Thomas quite a bit. Um, Winston only attempted 12 passes on the year, but we all remember the, the trick play in the, in the playoff game where he, mm-hmm. uh, he threw it deep and, and got the touchdown for the Saints. Um, if, now, Winston is a free agent, and if, if teams are going to go out, because we know there's a lot of quarterbacks changing addresses this offseason, um, maybe the Saints don't bring him back if Winston gets a nice deal elsewhere. But the Saints are $70 million over the cap, and if Winston does not get the contract he's looking for, could be the starting quarterback for New Orleans next year. Farrell, what do you make of a Saints offense with Winston under center, potentially throwing passes to Michael Thomas, Manuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and the like? Uh, Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback, and Taysom Hill will be the important quarterback. It, uh, But, you know, it's a test of what Jameis Winston has, has learned about himself um, this year and and what kind of player he wants to be. In coming to New Orleans, he took a significant friendly contract uh, with the Saints and then uh, immediately fired his agent, Joel Siegel, which uh, uh, not a lot of people fire Siegel. I doubt if he lost much sleep about it. He has 63 clients (laughs) active in the league. But it, it it could be when you talk about the dollars, it, it it can sometimes foreshadow intent. And Taysom Hill, in my words, is the important quarterback here. Uh, in the salary cap, he's the higher paid quarterback here. Um, so I think Mickey Loomis's plan is coming together with what he wanted to accomplish at quarterback. The head coach's plan is coming together. These guys are going to try to win with two quarterbacks that are so under the market. You put both these guys' salaries together, and it'll be half of Dak Prescott's. They're going to try to win this way. They think they can, and it'll be interesting. I would not run out, and I I am so – everyone needs to play uh, FFPC slow drafts. You guys call them best balls. I call them draft masters, whatever you call them. Play them. I'm having such a blast. Uh, playing in these drafts, I, and James Winston went off the board way too high as far as I'm concerned. 
So, you know, you bring that up, and this is interesting because in the latest FFPC best ball um, uh, ADP I have, Winston and Taysom Hill are going back-to-back as far as quarterbacks go. Winston is the quarterback 26. Hill is the quarterback 27. Uh, Winston basically going a full round ahead of Hill in the early 12th. Hill going in the early 13th. This is after Justin Fields, Tua Tungavailoa, Ben Roethlisberger go off the board, but it is before Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Zach Wilson, and Sam Darnold. So that's where you're looking. So, Farrell, if, if you're playing in a best ball format, is stacking Hill and Winston in the 12th and 13th a way uh, that, that you would recommend FFPC players to go? No, but next year's winner will probably tell me it was. So I, I But I wouldn't do it <laughs> because the offense, the offense, I don't think, is going to be that prolific. And I would rather have I would rather have two, if not three, quarterbacks on my team that are going to throw the ball 500 times. And so probably a better win. Yeah, I, I think that's how I would spend my my uh, draft capital on quarterbacks as well. Hey, we got uh, Jason Hockenberry coming up right here in just a minute. Uh, he's going to talk about his uh, football guys players championship fourth place overall team. The last point I want to get to before we get to Jason is another report from Ian Rappaport saying that Damian Williams and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, MD, are going to opt in for the 2021 season. I bring this up not so much for Duvernay-Tardif, but for Damian Williams, who in 2019 had over 700 rushing yards and seven scores um, before he actually took it to a new level for the Chiefs in the playoffs. I'm curious, Farrell, because Le'Veon Bell probably not going to be back for the Chiefs in 2021. Obviously, um, Clyde Edwards-Lair will be after they spent the, the first round uh, pick on him this past year. But Damian Williams, FFPC best ball ADP, running back 57 right now at the 1708. I just mentioned this earlier. Let's Marlon Mack, Chris Evans, Jermar Jefferson territory. I think that's way too low for Williams, who could be potentially the lead running back for Kansas City next year. He is, is potential, it's, it's way too low. He's not potentially bulky going to be the lead running back. He'll be a, a nice player in the committee, and at times he'll flash. Like you say, well, what, you know, why don't they, why don't they give this guy more chances? And if maybe from what Andy Reid uh, has done in the past, hot hand gets the ball, and that would that would uh, benefit Williams drafters. Um, I think Williams has been a great uh, co- committee running back for a long time. He's never carried the ball except for one season, over 100 carries. Now, this is his contract year uh, forthcoming. Uh, you know, he's. I think all the guys that drafted Edwards there. Uh, in in the first round, or very very early in their uh, dynasty drafts, uh, shouldn't be worried about uh, uh, Williams supplanting too much of uh, of uh, Hilaire's opportunities. Um, we have. I, I think the Chiefs running back situation is going to be something that is going to dominate our our conversation here um, yes. after the NFL draft. Probably, um, we'll see what happens then. But I think that this Williams versus Edwards-Hilaire draft value is going to be very compelling conversation. I have another com, uh, compelling conversationalist on the line right now. We're going to bring him in right now. He's been playing fantasy football for more than 30 years. Highlight of his fantasy career, it actually came last year. 
the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship. His team had the high score in Week 16 out of the, everybody in the competition. It pushed him up into fourth place overall, and with that came a $10,000 payday. He's also won multiple FFPC Dynasty Leagues across several different formats and will be playing in more high-stakes leagues in 2021. Making his debut on the high-stakes fantasy footballer, it is Jason Hockenberry. Jason, welcome into the program, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hi guys. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So you um, now are you in Pittsburgh? Is that where you live? Is that where you call home? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I work for a, a, a company, health insurance company here in Pittsburgh. So that's this is my home base. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of snow here at the moment, but <laughs> trying to get mm-hmm. to, uh, oh yeah, used to shoveling snow every day. <laughs> We, we, uh, you know, it's, it's been weird here because it's, and I do the show in Northeast Wisconsin and it's been so cold here that it, it, it's been too cold for snow. And then the days it actually warms up then we get dumped upon. So it's, 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 it's the best of both worlds really right now here. Jason, I bring the Pittsburgh ass for you because we were talking about Juju Smith-Schuster early on. And I just want to get your quick thoughts on, on the receiver situation. Yeah. Smith-Schuster, um, you believe that he is gone. He plays for a different team next year, yes or no. And then if that is the case, how high are you drafting Chase Claypool in drafts uh, in, in 2021? Is this the top 15 receiver we're looking at here? How do you, what's, your, what's sort of your assertion on both, those, both of those players? Yeah, yeah, Juju, I really, really loved him as a Steeler. Just really enjoyed his time here. Really love watching him play, despite a little bit of some some disappointing, uh, little disappointing years here after so really a great start. So, but yeah, it looks like looks like he'll be leaving. And I think I, I, I saw a report about him maybe going to the Raiders. Not sure how I how I necessarily feel about that and his his prospects, but. Um, but yeah, Chase Claypool, I just he looks special to me as a Steeler fan here watching every week and. You know, for rookie year, he had had some huge games, um, but just there were there were other times where we just wanted to see more of him. But yeah, I think uh, my first uh, uh, best ball draft this year, uh, I think I drafted him at the eight uh, eight oh one, and felt like if if that's really where he's going to be going this year, I'm going to wow. chase Claypool on my teams. Yeah, you and me yeah, both, Jason, for sure. I love it when Balky. I love it when Balky can get to Chase Claypool in the in the show before I do. I'm the big uh, Chase Claypool, but and Balky came in and got you. Good job, Balky. Congratulations on that one. I, it, it uh, you know, you, Balky sent out a picture, and uh, now I understand you, you have a, a professorial look uh, to you in in your picture. You look like a very very knowledgeable guy, and whenever you talk to a guy that's that's uh, in Pittsburgh. This is deeply involved in fantasy football. That I mean, you guys know your business, you know your stuff. You have an encyclopedic knowledge of, uh, of football, and, and I imagine that had a lot to do with your winning. Now, you know, if it's the football guys and the FFPC, there's a crack marketing team over there. I mean, they encourage you and make it very easy for you to buy three football guys teams they give you a little bonus for it i mean that's what you're supposed to do and i understand this is your only football guys team that you had this success with it was it was the the way that i've kind of dipped my toe in that that high stakes water was like i say i've been playing you know home leagues for since 1990 or so um and kind of gotten to the ffpc dynasty four or five years ago and it's just really grown since then for me and probably have a dozen or so teams now and 
love playing the best ball leagues and uh and those best ball leagues you know thirty five dollar entry win and, and and you get that get that possible football guys uh championship entry for the next year so that's really what did it for me was uh looking at that and saying okay i'm gonna take a shot and the first one of those i did a couple of years ago and uh i think <laughs> like you say this year fourth place team i think that year was more like ten thousandth place um, one of those drafts where you know, my first five, first five draft picks all got injured and it was just a mess. So I'm like, wow, I need to need to get back in there and do that again. So um, yeah, the second time. Well, your your Monday was, night spoke about it. That Monday night, it, it, your score topped everyone and propelled you to this lofty status. Now, did did, did you? You know, you live with those dynasty teams that you draft, and, and you have a oh yeah a feel in and out for them. How did this team feel, and, and did you expect that kind of point score on that Monday night? And do you remember what it was? So the the way that 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 last week went, I think I came into it was around 300th place, and you know I, I really liked the matchups. That, that when I looked at all my players, I didn't have too many really hard choices to make. Um, and, you know, it was like I say, it was in about 300th place, was thinking, you know, let's shoot for top 100. And then uh, Christmas Day, uh, everyone knows what Alvin Kamara did, six touchdowns, and then move into Saturday, and Mike Evans has a 180 yards and a couple touchdowns, one of which was a meaningless touchdown in the fourth quarter and, <laughs> and uh, a blowout. And then the game after that was uh, Jeff Wilson, who was probably my, he was my second flex, and he scores a you get the touchdown catch early in the game. And I was just like, what is happening here? This is crazy. And, uh, you know, started to look and it's like, okay, top hundred. Now we can, we can see this go a little higher. Um, uh, but yeah, going into the, the Sunday night, I think it was, a, was it Sunday or Monday night with, uh, with Diggs and Allen and just kind of, you know, you start to look and it's nice to see on the leaderboard. You can see who has players left and you can kind of scan and, didn't think I could get to the top quite. I think I kind of did the math and was like, well, I need about 18 50-yard field goals to, <laughs> or something like that, some, <laughs> something ridiculous from the, from the kicker. But, um, you know, just was really, really cool to watch those guys, uh, guys to force. It was really, really fun to watch. Good for you, buddy. Jason, uh, Jason yeah, you, you put up a two, two, 247.9 in week 16, and that was thanks mm-hmm. to 35.5 from Josh Allen, 40.1 for Evans, 41.5 from Stefan Diggs, and then, of course, the magical 56.2 from Alvin Kamara. Pretty insane, dude, that, I mean, you're looking at, what, 165 points from just four players. You knew it was going to be epic. Yeah. It certainly was. Congratulations uh, for you on that. Yeah, well, so I, 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 go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say my only, uh, my only thought, like looking back on it, obviously super happy that happened. That was a really fun ride. But, you know, I'm not sure fantasy football can get any better than that for me. So <laughs> it's going to be, uh, going to be yeah. tough, to, tough to repeat that week 16 of, of 2020. Well, I mean, just like you said, you know, you're in 300 some place, and then in one week you shoot up to fourth overall. My goodness, that is yeah. – that's something you tell yeah. the grandkids for sure. Um, so, Jason, <laughs> Let's talk about 2021. Um, I, I well, and, and with a taste of 2020 here. So, uh, in yep. this football guys draft, you get Hunter Henry in the seventh round. You get T.J. Hawkinson in the eighth round as your top two tight ends. Is that a similar yep. approach that you think you'll be taking in in 2021 football guys leagues as well, where you avoid the elite tight ends but you get two in the like again like the seventh eighth round that type of area? 
Yeah, you know, that's that's part of the part of the fun for me in, in fantasy football is really, you know, thinking on your feet and kind of going with the draft. Um I, I generally do like to get one of the stud tight ends. That that particular draft just didn't really fall that way. Um I think I was I was picking fifth, I think, and by the time it came back to me, Kelsey and Kittle were gone and was hoping Andrews would get back to me in the third round and that didn't happen and um so that yeah, that, that particular draft, despite being the, the most success I've ever had with the team. I, I never draft two running backs in the first two picks, and that's generally how that played out. So that, you know, I'm just trying to pick the best value and, you know, kind of think on your feet and, and try to go the best route. I just, I like those two guys uh, going into the year. The other tight ends had higher upsides, I thought. And just, it, I've had good teams in the FFPC leagues in the in the past, and I just, I feel like you have to have a good tight end in that tight end premium to, to really do well there. So, you know, I wanted to take two shots at that point since I missed out on one of the, uh, one of the top guys. So, I mean, yeah, like I say, I, I, I will definitely be happy to draft one of the big guys early in. That's definitely my general strategy, but, you know, it all kind of shakes out on where that draft spot goes and, and what the guys around you are doing. So, Jason, tell me how many dynasty teams you'll, you actually have and, and how many new ones will you have this year? How many rookie drafts? Yeah, I think, I think I'm up to 10 or 12 at the moment, something around that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm probably about maxing out, but they're for my, just for, you know, my, my taste and how much I can handle. Um, I've been doing more of the best ball. I, I do find that uh, too many managed leagues. I just start to pull my hair out, setting out lineups uh, all the time on Sunday mornings after a while. So I do like the best ball. Um, so I think I'm, I'm gravitating more towards that type of, of any, if I do any startups, but I, I can't help it. You know, you, you start to do these no. things. And <laughs> You've got you start a special too much fun with trades. You've got yeah. a special skill and a special knowledge uh, for the dynasty, and I, I love talking to you guys. I pay a lot of attention. Let you know what a genius I am. I play pay a lot of attention to college players coming out every year, scouting them, uh, but I've never played dynasty. So that, that's uh, <laughs> that's probably something that I should should try to try to figure out how to get involved with. And I'd like to know. But, you know, I'm always talking to Dynasty guys to see what you know and what you think about rookies. And, and you know, we mm-hmm. I'll preface that with saying we've all looked at um, the Jared Goff and, uh, and Matthew Stafford trade. And uh, the, the result that I came to is that when you talk about sleepers, everyone, unless, unless you're an Alabama or Clemson, Notre Dame player, uh, almost everyone coming out of college ball this year is a sleeper because of the evaluation process yep. is so different. And the Rams general manager obviously proved that, that he didn't even really want draft picks. He just, he just wanted a new quarterback and he'll give these mm-hmm. draft picks away. So in looking for sleepers or, or looking for players, rookies that, that you are willing to share with the listeners that no matter what the format would be players that you want to be engaged with and at least aware of uh, for the upcoming drafts. Yeah, for you me, have a couple. Um, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a huge college football uh, follower at this point. I mean, I, I, I am in one uh, Debbie league, so I feel like that, that keeps me a little engaged in paying attention with it. Um, and actually, that's I've been in that league for a couple of years, and the first my first Debbie buy in that auction was uh, Rondell Moore. So very excited to kind of see where, where he goes. He, I mean, he's, he, he's kind of high. I mean, he had a great uh, what, oh, freshman yeah. year 
not so much the last couple of years, but I'm, I'm really excited for him. I, and I, and I'm not sure where he's going to, where he's going to fall. I don't know if he's going to be, is he going to be in the top six of that first round or is he going to fall closer to the end? I'm, I'm not sure. But I'm really watching him uh, very interested in seeing where, uh, where he goes and what he does. Um, you know, I, I, my general strategy it, on the deck. I'll just real interject real quick, Jason. You know, everybody sure. seems, and again, I'm not, you know, on the breadth of, of rookie draft Twitter yet, but it seems like everybody's falling all over themselves talking about Jalen Waddle. But, man, Rondale Moore does a lot of the same things that Waddle does, and I know they both have injury concerns, but when you consider, and it's going to depend where they go, obviously, for role yeah, and everything. True. But, man, Moore does a yeah. lot of good things, and I don't think people give him enough credit for it. Yeah, I'm, 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 I have high hopes for him. Um, and just kind of my general dynasty strategies, I like to pick up a lot of second-round picks and kind of like to take some of the shots at running back there. Last year that was kind of turned into Antonio Gibson in a few leagues, and that worked out well. And, you know, so I'm kind mm. of looking at, uh, like, Kenneth Gainwell or Jamar Jefferson, um, those, those guys right now. Um, but, again, it's, it's so early and it's hard to know who's going to land in the right spot. Um, just making me think back to last year to the – mistake I made in in one league I had the was lucky enough to have the one oh one and was completely convinced that, that my pick was Jonathan Taylor the whole way up until the NFL draft and then uh, uh CEH goes to the Chiefs and talked myself into that pick and uh, pretty much have regretted that one ever since. <laughs> What's you know, it's funny say? about that think long think wrong. Think wrong. Yeah, yeah. There you go. No, you know you know what's interesting about that is um, when I was drafting at Kentucky, I, I drafted a ton of teams in, in Farrell's uh, KFFSC this past year, Jason. And I tried to draft all over the draft board, you know, early picks, mm-hmm. late picks, mid picks. And the one player I really regretted not drafting at all that whole weekend, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I forgot about that pretty quickly because I was like, man, I yep. avoided that landmine in all those drafts. And, and I did end up with him. I had the 101 in Dynasty, too. And I hadn't made up my mind what I was going to do on that, but I also did go CEH. Thankfully, I got Taylor and a couple other ones to, to um, yeah. soothe my pain a little bit. But that I, I, I'm not feeling great about it right now. Um, we are. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make uh, I'm going to make this even worse for myself and tell you about a trade <laughs> offer that I got after I after I picked CEH. <laughs> and uh, oh, what was someone it? who really. He really wanted to buy him. He really wanted to buy him, um, and it was it was Alvin Kamara for CEH, and I oh. I turned it down. I talked talked myself wow. into not doing that, and then he and then he came back and he offered me Alvin Kamara in a first round pick this year, and I still was too committed oh. at that point. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. I shouldn't even be saying this on the air, but I did that. <laughs> well, we're, listen, I'm I'm glad. Here's the thing, you know, a lot of people uh, assume the guests we have on the show. They do no wrong. That they, every mm-hmm. thing, every decision they make is, is the Midas <laughs> touch, and it's good to, to humanize yourself here with the voters. That you are not a fantasy football <laughs> demigod. You make bad decisions just like everyone else every now and then. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll move we'll move past that because I know it's probably still a sore subject for you. Um, we're talking about Jason fourth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship this past year here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Throw it to the uh, chat room right now. Uh, Hudson Kern Reed wants to know, um, and we'll shift this back to a redraft question here as far as Pittsburgh receivers go. Do you like Chase Claypool better this year, or do you like Deontay Johnson better this year in redraft? And I'll, I'll frame this by saying, according to the ADP right now, 
Claypool is going off at wide receiver 27 at the 606. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 23 at the 508. Jason, I have a feeling that you'll be drafting Claypool over Deontay Johnson, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. I just, again, being a Steelers fan, watching the games every week, uh, Deontay Johnson is just, he's just so tempting. He's just so good when he gets the ball in his hands. But, you know, you watch just too many, too many drops, too many bonehead plays, just bad body language, all those kind of, you know, intangible things to just see way too much of it. And just Chase Claypool just looks like a different kind of player to me. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be doing Claypool over, over Deontay, even though I, I do love him. I, I really want to love Deontay, but he's one of those guys, if he has another year like that, uh, people in Pittsburgh are going to turn on him pretty quick. <laughs> we, we touched on this earlier when, when we talk about tight ends, and I know you said typically you like to get one of those early tight ends. And um, in your latest Superflex best ball for 2021, you actually got two elite tight ends. You started off with your draft, uh, Travis Kelsey, in the first round, and then you went George Kittle in the second round, both of those picks from the 12 spot in that draft. So I just want to get your thought process there on why you decided to go tight end, tight end to start off that draft. Yeah, again, that was that was kind of – I felt like that was the hand that that, that draft was dealing me. Um, you know, I, I certainly was intending on taking a quarterback and then nine of the first 11 picks were quarterbacks and it, it just didn't feel like it was right. So, um, you know, I just said, okay, we're going to change the track here and just go with the top two tight ends and see if I can't get an advantage that way if everyone else is taking quarterbacks. Um, and so then I was hoping that, that then the quarterback run would slow down a little bit and the value would kind of catch up there and I could uh, get pick up those quarterbacks I was expecting in round one and two and, and three and four. And, you know, I, I ended up taking two more quarterbacks, but it still, it felt like I was reaching a bit. It just was that, that draft didn't go exactly how I had, uh, how I was thinking it would, but you know, sometimes you get on the turn like that, you get kind of stuck at the end of, uh, end of those runs. And you know, that one didn't, didn't work out exactly as I, as I had uh, kind of thought it would, but like I said, that, that's kind of the fun of it too. That's why I like to do, you know, at least one of those, best ball drafts a month and you know it just kind of keeps you keeps you on your toes and keeps you thinking about what the next next season looks like and you know really is really good fun fun practice for we you know for, uh, jason we can't do anything about our our incorrect super bowl picks and uh but what we can <laughs> do is uh what i've already enjoyed about drafting early uh, in the best balls is that i can kind of forget some of the sins and mistakes that i made last year and get a little proud of some of the picks I've made already. You know, I, I do one, uh, Balky asked me about a stack earlier in the show. I, I've got a little Tampa Bay stack going on, and I was I was real proud of how that developed. And, you know, I've got about four Buccaneers lined up in, in good positions, I think, uh, were bargains in the draft. Have you had something so far in your, in your picks uh, so far that you just really – what was your favorite pick, so to say, getting that out of the box and getting started this year? Yeah, uh, it definitely, you know, like I say, Claypool at 801 really was, was happy about that. But also, uh, C.D. Lamb at the end of the fifth round uh, was pretty excited wow. uh, same to, team? to get him. But again, uh, sorry? Was that on the same roster? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you know, not, I, and like I say, I generally – it's my like I say that strategy of mine. I like I I generally avoid running backs till later in the draft and try to just pick up value where I can. Um, so you know I love having good receivers and, and that stud tight end. I really feel like that gives you an advantage and you know can help you like win the flex and 
and really give you the strong scores week to week. So, yeah, I love getting CeeDee Lamb at, 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 at 5'12 and, and Claypool at, at 801. But again, there were so many, so many quarterbacks taken in this particular draft that just so many guys were getting pushed down that just value gets to, to, gets to be there that you know, really happy with those picks in particular, even if those, you know, taking Jalen Hurts and Jared Goff at the end of the at 312 and 401 might have felt like a bit of a reach, but, um, you know, make up for it a little later with some of those later, later uh, wide receiver values. Um, Jason, I want to get to a, a, a few questions. Uh, we're going to go back to the chat room here for the, for the first one. Kern Reeb wants to know, um, when you look at Damian Harris uh, for the New England Patriots, does he make for a sleeper and perhaps a dynasty buy for 2021, given the situation going on in New England's backfield right now? Yeah, I do like Damian Harris. I do. I'm not a not a Sony Michelle fan. I just my my issue. Uh, yeah, I it's it all it always comes down to to what can you get him for. Um, and I think you know a cheap buy. I think that's a really nice one. I know I bought him at least in one fantasy or one dynasty league at the end of last year, where you know it was like a third round rookie pick or something like that that uh, to to pick him up just kind of a stash on one of those best ball leagues. Um, so I do I do like him. Um, it just I just have questions of not it's. it's at this point of the year, you just don't know who's going to be the quarterback there. What's that offense going to look like, really? But, um, but yeah, absolutely. I like his talent. I think he's a, I think he's a good prospect and uh, definitely has, has a chance to, to really do better than we've seen from him so far. Damian Harris currently in the FFPC uh, best ball drafts going at the 908 as running back 35 for redraft. Um, that seems low, so I think you're right. And, and James White, a free agent in New England there. Hey, maybe my Packers can bring aboard James White if they let Jones mm. and Williams go to free agency. Something to think about there as well. Um, mm. All right, moving on uh, to the next email here. We have from John in Fullerton, California. Uh, do you do any best ball drafts in preparation for the Football Guys Players Championship? If so, what's the biggest benefit you get from doing them? Thank you for the email, John in Fullerton, California. Well, Jason, we already know that you're doing best ball drafts to prep for the FPC. What do you think is, is the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest advantage you get from doing them? Yeah, I just think that the repetition that you get from, uh, from, from doing those drafts and just, like I say, being able to pivot when, and see the value. Like, to me, that's really the, that's really the big thing there. You know, to, to, to see and say, okay, there were, uh, you know, quarterback value is there right now. I think I was looking today at that, uh, that uh, football guy's team that finished fourth for me. And, and Josh Allen was in was my 11th round pick. Like, you know, that just, you look at that draft and looking at that draft board again today and just the, the, the quarterbacks were just falling so far that eventually they become really, really good value. And I just, I feel like you could, you just get a better sense of it if, you, if you've done, you know, like I say, I try to do at least one a month and sometimes it turns into two, but uh of those best ball drafts. But to me, it's just that repetition that you can kind of start to feel the draft and, and kind of see how things are flowing and, and take advantage of it. I, I'm, um, I'm sort more, of, go ahead, Farrell. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Balky. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead, Farrell. Please, please. Well, I, I'm just, I, I'm trying to move on to um, the, a question that I've been thinking about all day, but after the, after turning down Kamara in the first round draft pick, I no longer know how to present the question. I'm just stunned, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. The worst trade I, offer I kinda, you ever declined. <laughs> I know the answer to this to this this question is 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 you know already you've you probably reached for the hard stuff in the liquor cabinet and trying to get over that one. It's, uh, <laughs> I wonder. Just like you reaching for that bad bottle of bourbon in the back, just kind of like yep. you know, not the good stuff. You want the, the like the 
like the old, very old Barton in the in the back would would be a brand that Absolutely. you would reach for when you want to do pain to yourself. When you really want to, <laughs> when you really. Yeah, but is there somebody that that you see in the draft so far that that you think drafters are are reaching for somebody that's an attractive player, but he's all he's going beyond his. You know, because Harris is a perfect example of a player that is falling. So who's a player that, that you see coming off too soon that you say, I wouldn't have done that? He doesn't have to be a player going early. He's just just a player going yeah. anywhere that you say is way too soon. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think the one I was, I was thinking about doing this, looking at this first draft, for me, I think that might be David Montgomery. I think he, you know, try to be – leery of those guys that had that really, really strong end of season and not fall in love with that. I, I just, like mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's a guy I'm likely not to draft just kind of based on how hot he was at the end of the year. And, and I'm just not sold that he's that good of a player. So that's, he, he's probably the one for me that I would I, I'm probably steering clear of if he starts to, to shoot up based on, based on that really hot performance he had at the end of last year. Good. Played well down um, the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did for sure. Um, I do, Jason. Um, and first of all, you've been you've been very gracious. I know I know we couldn't we didn't get you on right at at ten fifteen when I said we would, but I appreciate you being patient. We do have one more question for you um, before we let you uh, go and, and get back uh, to to drafting. Um, ten grand you win for taking fourth yeah. place in, in the FPC. <laughs> nice little chunk of change. I'm just Absolutely. curious when you knew after after you you saw the Diggs and Allen performance. I'm just curious if you earmark that money immediately for something uh, that that you want to uh, to spend it on. Are you saving it? Are you investing it? What what are the plans for uh, for that ten thousand dollar prize? Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a little bit of all of that. Um, you know, I if, uh, you know I've, I'm, I'm married. I have a wife. She she feels like uh, she's she's going to say in some of this. So we've kind of decided yeah. <laughs> uh, together that there, there's a bathroom in the house that we've wanted to to do a little work on. So it's going to go towards, uh, go towards that. Happy for that. Um, uh, but there's, there's some, you know, I've got some, been looking at a, a griller and smoker for the backyard, something uh, that uh, I need to upgrade uh, for myself. So that's going to be uh, my little treat for myself. I think from, from some of that money and well, anything left over. Yeah. I, I like to, you know, sock it away. I'm a, uh, an investor as well. So we'll definitely, uh, some of that will find its way into an IRA and, uh, and you know, for the long term as well there. Well, as long as you save up just a little bit to, to try to go for that half-million-dollar grand prize, if indeed it is a half-million-dollar grand prize for the Football Guys Players Championship yeah. in 2021, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and try to get even higher than fourth place here uh, this year, Jason. Uh, certainly appreciate you hopping aboard tonight. Certainly appreciate uh, you sharing your insight tonight. And, uh, listen, congratulations on, on the performance this year. I hope it only goes up and, and gets better in 2021, dude. Thanks for hopping aboard the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. That was really fun. Thank you. Jason Hockenberry, oh. ladies and gentlemen, the fourth-place finisher in the Football Guys Players Championship. Farrell, and, and I think this is the, it's the stuff we all dream of. You're in 300-something Eesh. place in the final week of the season, and you see – you know, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen just playing pitch and catch on Monday Night Football. You shoot all the way up to fourth place, and all of a sudden you're staring at ten grand in the face. What a story for Hockenberry. I line up a, a lot of way with things he, that he mentioned. You know, Bonky, he talked about 
uh, he, he Jason talked about Montgomery, and he said, I, I tend to lean away from guys that are playing well at the end of the year. He just said he didn't try to fall for that. And, and you know, that's one of the keys that I look for. That, that's that's more uh, – I, perhaps I need to evaluate that. But I'm always looking for players that finish strong. I think they'll carry forward into the next season. You know, when we audit their winnings and, and, and talk to them about what they're going to do with their money, it was, I'm waiting for the guy to say, oh, I spent that stuff the next day. I, was, I spent it before <laughs> it showed up in the account. I'm going to just pay off credit card. That's already gone. I'm waiting for that guy. Hey, I uh, I wonder uh, I wonder how many of our players know that Rondell Moore is from uh, your adopted hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. I didn't know. So he's from Louisville, and he ended up going to, to the Big Ten. That's surprising to me. Well, a lot of guys do, especially Purdue, where you can get uh, quite the education. And, ah, the coach at Purdue is from Louisville. I'm developing a trend here, you know. And uh, I, I, it makes me very happy that uh, Chase Claypool would be available around the eighth round. I wonder I wonder if Jason was listening to the show the night that our, uh, our guest most uh, correctly referred to Claypool as a menace. That was a big night for me. Yeah. (laughs) No question. Um, A couple other things I want to highlight from, from our conversation with Jason tonight. And this is, I saw, uh, this is actually my third radio show of the day. Um, I did the, um, I did my normal um, sports talk radio show this afternoon, but I also did the fantasy football fanalist podcast um, earlier tonight with Billy Muzio and and Bradley uh, Stalder. And we were talking about, you know, what's one of the edges that you have in, when you play fantasy football. And I think, well, my edge is getting to talk to these people, these high-stakes players, each and every week on the HSFF Hour to gain yep. a lot um, from them. And one of the things, and, and Jason totally hammered it home again tonight, I think one of the things that I've heard over and over and over again, it's all fun to talk about robust RB, zero RB, waiting on quarterback, you know, all this other stuff. Um, one of the things that I have heard from guests on this show over and over again is, and I know it sounds cliche, but let the draft come to you. Be flexible. Mm-hmm. Be ready to pivot. Be ready to adjust on the fly. These are all phrases that Jason used tonight. And look at the juggernaut he put together with his own comp- with his lone team in the FPC. He gets all the way up to fourth place. You know, and I think that's it's fine to have a strategy going in, but sometimes I, I feel like not having a strategy going in is a strategy in and of itself. No strategy is always my favorite strategy. Last week, <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take you to use the word juggernaut because you used that to describe the Chiefs' offense last week. Now you use that to describe Jason. I don't know if it's we're gonna find a new word. <laughs> no, it's, it's just respectful to Jason. You're the hardest working man in show business. You can use any of the damn words you want, though, Balky. Congratulations <laughs> on such a great contribution to the to the field, man. Yeah. Hey, one one other one other thing, uh, Farrell, I do want to bring up, and I and I just found this out, and it's not really relevant to anything we've been talking about tonight, but I have a friend who I went to high school with, and she actually works in um, Louisiana. She is a um, she works for a uh, restaurant franchise um, a chain down there. She's a trainer at several mm-hmm. of these restaurants. Um, and, um, back in the day, and I'm assuming this is when Leonard Fournette was in college because she works in the, 
the Baton Rouge area. But I guess Leonard Fournette used to come into one of her restaurants. He didn't tip all that well. He wasn't all that nice to the staff. But he ordered spinach artichoke dip. We've all had spinach artichoke dip, right? You know, you get the bread and the chips with We eat it. No, Leonard Fournette would order it. He'd eat the whole thing himself with a spoon. He wouldn't dip anything into it. He would use a spoon and he'd eat the entire bowl of spinach artichoke dip. And I was telling Bryce, uh, I was telling Bryce about this, and Bryce was like, "Ah, oh, that's not all that weird." I'm like, "No, the whole bowl, Bryce, the whole bowl." With the spoon. And then he, and then he said, "Well, you know, well maybe Eddie Lacy was doing stuff like that." I'm like, "Eddie Lacy's not in the league anymore." And look at Leonard Fournette. So I'm assuming he he kind of changed his dietary ways um, after he got into the pro- has turned it on right now, but certainly his diet when he was a, a, a Bayou Bengal for LSU wasn't exactly the healthiest in the world. No, that's not the best move. You can sweat that out, though. But no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I can't sweat it out anymore. I suppose he could at 20 years old or whatever it was, but, but uh, that ship has sailed for me for sure. All right, so let's get into um, a couple of emails here uh, tonight, Farrell, from, from some of the listeners. Al, in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, writes, with Michael Thomas now undergoing multiple off-season surgeries, is he the easiest fade in the history of fades? Thanks, guys. That is from Al in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Right now, uh, as far as Michael Thomas's uh, 2021 ADP in FFPC best, dra- uh, best ball draft, he's still going as wide receiver six at the end of the second round at 210. Farrell, is that a price you'd be willing to pay for Michael Thomas right now? I like to go when you when you consider that he's going to regress from his biggest numbers. You throw away this past year, new quarterbacks coming in. I like the guys going immediately in front of him, and the guys going immediately after him. Two or three picks down the line after him, uh, too much to pay for uh, Thomas in this situation. I'll take a wait and see approach. Yeah, I mean Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, all going immediately after him. Um, I, I think that represents some significant upside. And that's just the wide receivers. Um, you know, there's plenty of running backs yeah. going after him as well. I don't know if I'd be investing in Michael Thomas at that point. Um, okay, next email is from uh, Eddie in Minneapolis, Minnesota, fellow Midwesterner. Does George Kittle's 2020 injury and 2021 questionable quarterback situation make you draft Darren Waller ahead of him this season? Eddie in Minneapolis, thank you so much for the email. I can tell you this. As far as FFPC drafters go, um, it has changed. Darren Waller is now going slightly ahead of George Kittle. Waller is the tight end two. George Kittle is at the tight end three. But they're both essentially going on that um, uh, end of the first, early second turn, Farrell. I know you like your Raiders. Do you like them enough to take Waller over Kittle? Oh, all day long, Bulky. You know, if you were if you were explaining football and positional football, to someone that was new to the game. And and then they watched the, the Niners play and watched the Raiders play. They would not understand that these two players are even playing the same position. And while Kittle is one of my favorite players in the league, uh, for our fantasy football purposes, when you talk about tiers, there's, there's only two tight ends in the tier, uh, in the number one tier, and that's Kelsey and Waller. And uh, the, the numbers, what will be required uh, for uh, Kittle on the field 
and his contribution to this team. They ask him to do so, so many things, and he'll still make some terrific catches, and he'll run after the catch, which is something he's really, really good with. But Waller is Waller's improvement this past year was fantastic. 17 more catches than the previous year. Uh, he tripled his touchdown production. And, you know, it's only going to get better. He, he, 146 targets last year. He'll catch more of them uh, likely this year. And he will line up, uh, he'll line up more at other positions than he will at tight end. And he won't take the abuse to his body uh, that's involved in other aspects of the game. I could go on and on about why I love Waller, uh, it, but it, it's not even a contest. I think the question as we get closer to uh, August and September is which one first, Waller or Kelsey? Yeah. No, it's a good point, uh, and, and I think that's something that we will be following as the summer goes on here um, with the FFPC uh, Best Ball and then the Football Guys Players Championship uh, ADP here as well. I want to flip it back to the, uh, the the chat room here. Kern Reeb wants to know what Logan Thomas's value will be this year, Farrell. He is currently being drafted as tight end nine after Fant, Goddard, and Hunter Henry, but before Jasicki and Tunyon. Logan Thomas, tight end nine at the 709. Um, the Dizzle, who's making an appearance in the chat room, points out that yeah. the Washington receivers outside of Terry McLaurin are not so good. And Logan Thomas was getting a lot of targets down the stretch for the Washington football team. I'm just curious to, to your thoughts on Logan Thomas this year, because if you do wait on tight end in the FFPC, man, that, that could be the tight end you wait on to get him as the ninth one off the board. That is a very, very nice reward for waiting, and, and he is going to he's going to move up. But there's all the guys you mentioned in front of him are, are very promising too. And so when the quarterback situation gets straightened out at Washington, we'll know a little bit more of that, uh, and and we'll see what that relationship will look like. But without much of a preseason, I do not expect us with a whole lot of preseason. It's, it's going to be built on speculation. Um, if Thomas holds at this position, that would be the tight end that I would uh, target there. And I would encourage the Dizzle to take uh, another look at uh, wide receiver Cam Sims, the kid out of Alabama. I think that's a developing quarterback uh, on the uh, Redskins roster. I said it, Balky. My bad. The football club's (laughs) roster. You uh, meant to say Ford's roster. I always say foreskins. I haven't said redskins. <laughs> I haven't offended anyone in years. But the um, uh, there's two there's two Sims players uh, that play wide receiver at the Washington Football Club. I'm talking about the one out of Alabama. I like him. Yeah, he. You know, it's funny is he was he, he didn't have all that great of a career at Alabama. He wasn't used a whole lot. Obviously, we have no. we know that the the receivers that have turned through from from Alabama over the last half decade or whatever, but but Cam Sims is a guy that um, this isn't the first time he's been mentioned on this show. And this is a guy that, that certainly was a pretty good recruit coming into Alabama. And, and you know, he's going to have the opportunity. Unless Washington takes a receiver early to pair with McLaurin, um, you know, Sims is he's going to have a role. Uh, I think that's something that uh, we'll keep in mind going forward here. Um, uh, Farrell, I, I, I want to get to more emails, but, but uh, we will save them for, for next week because they are not time 
uh, sensitive. So I will bid you adieu. I thank you for uh, popping on with me tonight. I know today was a busy day for you, so certainly the listeners and, and myself appreciate it. And I will uh, bid you adieu for the weekend, man. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you again next week. See you next Friday, Bonnie. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you follow him on Twitter at Elliott, but check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. I know I'm in a couple of leagues in there already for 2021, looking to fill those up so I can start drafting, uh, which I definitely have an itch to do here as we are um, in mid-February already. Got to get drafting. Always be drafting. What's the GOAT district always say? Always be balling. Always be drafting. That is what I will be doing. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I do want to remind you, um, the uh, Fantasy Football Fanalyst podcast, uh, you can check that out. Uh, Myself, Billy Muzio, and uh, Bradley Sadler, uh, Salder, excuse me, uh, talking fantasy football, talking FFPC. You can follow them on Twitter at FFFanalyst. Um, and uh, the link to the um, podcast is up there. Uh, a lot of fun talking to those guys tonight. Also, I had a lot of fun talking fantasy football with Farrell and Jason Hockenberry tonight. want to thank both those gentlemen. want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for tuning in and listening. Uh, next Friday, how about a half-million-dollar winner? Yeah, that's right, another one for the FFPC, quoting DJ Khaled there. Stephen Rannigan will uh, come back to the program to talk about his big $500,000 win in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. That is at next Friday at 10, 9 Central. Very excited for that one. I want to remind each and every one of you to uh, register for the Best Ball League and Dynasty Orphans right now today. BestBallMyFFPC.com and then the uh, Dynasty Orphans, MyFFPC.com slash Dynasty for sale. New ones are being put up there every single day. Some pretty good deals there, too. And don't forget about our friends over at DynastyDepot.com. Check out the Dynasty Orphans being posted there. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I hope you all have a great weekend. I'm going surgeon spearing tomorrow. Very excited for that. Your weekend officially This has been now. another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. By the way, I know I plug the FFPC and my own like uh, fantasy football podcast a lot on this show. I want to promote something tonight that has nothing to do with FFPC. And I know Hudson Kern-Reeve, who is in the chat room right now, will probably agree with me. If, 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 you ha- if you're into the MCU, if you're into superhero movies, if you've been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception, or, or at least recently, man, WandaVision's really, really good. Um, on Disney Plus right now. We're six episodes in. They're each like a half hour. You can catch up pretty quickly. It's um, it's a show I've, I don't even know how to describe the, the genre of it because I'm not, re- I'm not really sure I know. All I know is I'm very entertained every single Friday when new episodes check, uh, come out. So check that out at uh, Disney Plus. WandaVision, great stuff. All right, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Ranigan will be on. Farrell will be back. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay warm if you're in the Northeast or the Midwest.